Book Two, Chapter Fourteen, of A Voyage Towards the South Pole and Round the World, Volume One by James Cook. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by David Cole. Chapter Fourteen, The Arrival of the Ship at the Island of Hawene, with an account of an expedition into the island and several other incidents which happened while she lay there. 1774 May At one o'clock in the afternoon on the 15th, we anchored in the north entrance of Awara Harbour, in the island of Huahene, hoisted out the boats, warped into a proper berth, and moored with a bower and kedge anchor, not quite a cable's length from the shore. While this was doing, several of the natives made us a visit, amongst whom was old Ori the chief, who brought a hog and some other articles, which he presented to me with the usual ceremony. Next morning the natives began to bring us fruit. I returned Ori's visit, and made my present to him, one article of which was red feathers. Two or three of these the chief took in his right hand, holding them up between the finger and thumb, and said a prayer, as I understood, which was little noticed by any present. Two hogs were soon after put into my boat, and he and several of his friends came on board and dined with us. After dinner, Ori gave me to understand what articles would be most acceptable to him and his friends, which were chiefly axes and nails. Accordingly, I gave him what he asked, and desired he would distribute them to the others, which he did, seemingly to the satisfaction of every one. A youth about ten or twelve years of age, either his son or grandson, seemed to be the person of most note, and had the greatest share. After the distribution was over, they all returned ashore, Mr. Forster and his party being out in the country botanizing, his servant, a feeble man, was beset by five or six fellows who would have stripped him if that moment one of the party had not come to his assistance, after which they made off with a hatchet they had got from him. On the 17th I went ashore to look for the chief, in order to complain of the outrage committed as above, but he was not in the neighbourhood. Being ashore in the afternoon, a person came and told me Ori wanted to see me. I went with the man, and was conducted to a large house, where the chief and several other persons of note were assembled in council, as well as I could understand. After I was seated, and some conversation had passed among them, Ori made a speech, and was answered by another. I understood no more of either than just to know it regarded the robbery committed the day before. The chief then began to assure me that neither he, nor any one present, which were the principal chiefs in the neighbourhood, had any hand in it, and desired me to kill with the guns all those which had. I assured him that I was satisfied that neither he nor those present were at all concerned in the affair, and that I should do with the fellows as he desired, or any others who were guilty of the like crimes. Having asked where the fellows were, and desired they would bring them to me, 
that I might do with them as he had said. His answer was they were gone to the mountains, and he could not get them. Whether this was the case or not, I will not pretend to say. I knew fair means would never make them deliver them up, and I had no intention to try others. So the affair dropped, and the council broke up. In the evening some of the gentlemen went to a dramatic entertainment. The piece represented a girl as running away with us from Otaheite, which was in some degree true, as a young woman had taken a passage with us down to Ulitea, and happened now to be present at the representation of her own adventures, which had such an effect upon her that it was with great difficulty our gentlemen could prevail upon her to see the play out, or to refrain from tears while it was acting. The piece concluded with the reception she was supposed to meet with from her friends at her return, which was not a very favourable one. These people can add little extempore pieces to their entertainments when they see occasion. Is it not then reasonable to suppose that it was intended as a satire against this girl, and to discourage others from following her steps. In the morning of the 18th, Ori came on board with a present of fruit, stayed dinner, and in the afternoon desired to see some great guns fired, shotted, which I complied with. The reason of his making this request was his hearing from Oedidi and our Otaheitan passengers that we had so done at their island. The chief would have had us fire at the hills, but I did not approve of that, lest the shot should fall short and do some mischief. Besides, the effect was better seen in the water. Some of the petty officers, who had leave to go into the country for their amusement, took two of the natives with them to be their guides, and to carry their bags containing nails, hatchets, etc., the current cash we traded with here which the fellows made off with in the following artful manner. The gentlemen had with them two muskets for shooting birds. After a shower of rain, their guides pointed out some for them to shoot, one of the muskets having missed fire several times, and the other having gone off. The instant the fellows saw themselves secure from both, they ran away, leaving the gentlemen gazing after them with so much surprise that no one had presence of mind to pursue them. The nineteenth, showery morning, fair afternoon, nothing happened worthy of note. Early in the morning of the twentieth, three of the officers set out on a shooting party, rather contrary to my inclination, as I found the natives, at least some of them, were continually watching every opportunity to rob straggling parties, and were daily growing more daring. About three o'clock in the afternoon I got intelligence that they were seized and stripped of everything they had about them. Upon this I immediately went on shore with a boat's crew, accompanied by Mr. Forster, and took possession of a large house with all its effects, and two chiefs whom I found in it, but this we did in such a manner that they hardly knew what we were about, being unwilling to alarm the neighbourhood. In this situation I remained till I heard the officers had got back safe, and had all their things restored to them. Then I quitted the house, 
and presently after everything in it was carried off. When I got on board I was informed of the whole affair by the officers themselves. Some little insult on their part induced the natives to seize their guns, on which a scuffle ensued, some chiefs interfered, took the officers out of the crowd, and caused everything which had been taken from them to be restored. This was at a place where we had before been told that a set of fellows had formed themselves into a gang, with a resolution to rob every one who should go that way. It would seem from what followed that the chief could not prevent this, or put a stop to these repeated outrages. I did not see him this evening, as he was not come into the neighbourhood when I went on board, but for I learned from Oedidi that he came soon after, and was so concerned at what had happened that he wept. Daylight no sooner broke upon us on the 21st than we saw upwards of sixty canoes under sail going out of the harbour, and steering over Ulitea. Upon our inquiring the reason, we were told that the people in them were Iariwas, and were going to visit their brethren in the neighbouring isles. One might almost compare these men to Freemasons. They tell us they assist each other when need requires. They seem to have customs among them, which they either will not or cannot explain. Oedidi told us he was one, Tupia was one, and yet I have not been able to get any tolerable idea of this set of men from either of them. Oedidi denies that the children they have by their mistresses are put to death, as we understand from Tupia and others. I have had some conversation with Omai on this subject, and find that he confirms everything that is said upon it in the narrative of my former voyage. Oedidi, who generally slept on shore, came off with a message from Ori, desiring that I would land with twenty-two men, to go with him to chastise the robbers. The messenger brought with him, by way of assisting his memory, twenty-two pieces of leaves, a method customary amongst them. On my receiving this extraordinary message, I went to the chief for better information, and all I could learn of him was that these fellows were a sort of banditti, who had formed themselves into a body, with the resolution of seizing and robbing our people wherever they found them, and were now armed for that purpose, for which reason he wanted me to go along with him to chastise them. I told him if I went they would fly to the mountains, but he said they were resolved to fight us, and therefore desired I would destroy both them and their house, but begged I would spare those in the neighbourhood, as also the canoes and the Winoa. By way of securing these he presented me with a pig as a peace offering for the Winoa. It was too small to be meant for anything but a ceremony of this kind. This sensible old chief could see, what perhaps none of the others ever thought of, that everything in the neighbourhood was at our mercy, and therefore took care to secure them by this method, which I supposed to be of weight with them. When I returned on board I considered of the chief's request, which upon the whole appeared an extraordinary one. I, however, resolved to go, 
lest these fellows should be, by our refusal, encouraged to commit greater acts of violence, and, as their proceeding would soon reach Ulitea, where I intended to go next, the people there might be induced to treat us in the same manner or worse, they being more numerous. Accordingly I landed with forty-eight men, including officers, Mr. Forster and some other of the gentlemen. The chief joined us with a few people, and we began to march in search of the banditti in good order. As we proceeded, the chief's party increased like a snowball. Oedidi, who was with us, began to be alarmed, observing that many of the people in our company were of the very party we were going against, and at last telling us that they were only leading us to some place where they could attack us to advantage. Whether there was any truth in this, or it was only Oedidi's fears, I will not pretend to say. He, however, was the only person we could confide in, and we regulated our motions according to the information he had given us. After marching some miles, we got intelligence that the men we were going after had fled to the mountains. But I think this was not till I had declared to the chief I would proceed no farther. For we were then about crossing a deep valley, bounded on each side by steep rocks, where a few men with stones only might have made our retreat difficult. If their intentions were what Oedidi had suggested, and which he still persisted in, having come to a resolution to return, we marched back in the same order as we went, and saw in several places people who had been following us, coming down from the sides of the hills with their arms in their hands, which they instantly quitted and hid in the bushes, when they saw they were discovered by us. This seemed to prove that there must have been some foundation for what Oedidi had said, but I cannot believe that the chief had any such design, whatever the people might have. In our return we halted at a convenient place to refresh ourselves. I ordered the people to bring us some coconuts, which they did immediately. Indeed, by this time, I believe many of them wished us on board out of the way, for although no one step was taken that could give them the least alarm, they certainly were in terror. Two chiefs brought each of them a pig, a dog, and some young plantain trees, the usual peace offerings, and with due ceremony presented them singly to us. Another brought a very large hog, with which he followed us to the ship. After this we continued our course to the landing place, where I caused several volleys to be fired, to convince the natives that we could support a continual fire. This being done, we all embarked and went on board, and soon after the chief following, brought with him a quantity of fruit, and sat down with us to dinner. We had scarce dined before more fruit was brought us by others, and two hogs, so that we were likely to make more by this little excursion than by all the presents we had made them. It certainly gave them some alarm to see so strong a party of men march into their country, and probably gave them a better opinion of firearms than they had before. 
for I believe they had but an indifferent, or rather contemptible, idea of muskets in general, having never seen any fired, but at birds, etc., by such of our people as used to straggle about the country, the most of them but indifferent marksmen, losing generally two shots out of three, their pieces often missing fire, and being slow in charging. Of this they had taken great notice, and concluded, as well they might, that firearms were not so terrible things as they had been taught to believe. When the chiefs took leave in the evening, they promised to bring us next day a very large supply of provisions. In the article of fruit they were as good as their word, but of hogs which we most wanted, they brought far less than we expected. Going ashore in the afternoon, I found the chief just sitting down to dinner. I cannot say what was the occasion of his dining so late. As soon as he was seated, several people began chewing the pepper-root, about a pint of the juice of which, without any mixture, was the first dish, and was dispatched in a moment. A cup of it was presented to me, but the manner of brewing it was at this time sufficient. Oedidi was not so nice, but took what I refused. After this the chief washed his mouth with coconut water. Then he ate of repe, plantain, and mahi, of each not a little, and lastly finished his repast by eating, or rather drinking, about three pints of popoye, which is made of breadfruit, plantains, mahi, etc., beat together and diluted with water, till it is of the consistence of a custard. This was at the outside of his house in the open air, for at this time a play was acting within, as was done almost every day in the neighbourhood, but they were such poor performances that I never attended. I observed that, after the juice had been squeezed out of the chewed pepper-root for the chief, the fibres were carefully picked up and taken away by one of his servants. On my asking what he intended to do with it, I was told he would put water to it and strain it again. Thus he would make what I will call small beer. The twenty-third wind easterly, as it had been ever since we left Otaheite. Early in the morning we unmoored, and at eight weighed and put to sea. The good old chief was the last man who went out of the ship. At parting, I told him we should see each other no more, at which he wept and said, Let your sons come, we will treat them well. Ori is a good man, in the utmost sense of the word, but many of the people are far from being of that disposition, and seem to take advantage of his old age. Teradere, his grandson and heir, being yet but a youth, the gentle treatment the people of this isle ever met with from me, and the careless and imprudent manner in which many of our people had rambled about in the country, from a vain opinion that firearms rendered them invincible, encouraged many at Wahene to commit acts of violence, which no man at Otaheite ever durst attempt. During our stay here we got breadfruit, coconuts, etc., more than we could well consume, but not hogs enough by far to supply our daily expense, and yet it did not appear that they were scarce in the isle.
It must be allowed, however, that the number we took away, when last here, must have thinned them greatly, and at the same time stocked the isle with our articles. Besides, we now wanted a proper assortment of trade, which we had being nearly exhausted, and the few remaining red feathers being here but of little value, when compared to the estimation they stand in at Otaheite. This obliged me to set the smiths to work, to make different sorts of iron, tools, nails, etc., in order to enable me to procure refreshments at the other isles, and to support my credit and influence among the natives. End of Book 2 Chapter 14 Recording by David Cole, Medway, Massachusetts.